morning and happy Sabbath. Can you please say happy Sabbath to the person next to you? Take a moment to wish a happy Sabbath. Today we are continuing the series that we have been doing. We are doing a lesson number seven in the Amazing Facts Bible Study Guides. If you have not the guide, please put your hand up. Deacons will come and they will uh, give one guide to you. Please keep the hand up. Deacons will come and distribute it. Um, can I invite you to have a word of prayer? Let's close our eyes briefly. Let us pray. Father in heaven, we want to thank you for your blessings. And as we come to study your word, we pray that you will teach us. We pray that your spirit will soften our hearts. Help us to understand your ways. Bless us today, we pray in Jesus' name. Amen. All right, so the deacons are coming around to give you the lesson if you don't have it. And today we are talking about the last day of history. This is lesson number seven. As usual, we have a few questions that we want to see what the Bible says in answer to these lessons and the, to these questions. And the first question that we want to talk about is on what day did Jesus customarily worship? Now, luckily, the Bible does give us a very specific answer as to which day he used to worship. The answer is in the book of Luke, chapter 4 and verse 6. He went to Nazareth where he had been brought up, and on a Sabbath day he went into the synagogue, as was his custom, he stood up to read. So it says that he would go to the synagogue and was his custom. What is a custom? It's something that you do usually. And his custom was to go on a specific day, and that day the Bible calls a Sabbath. We still don't know which day it is, but it's just identified as a Sabbath. And uh, which day of history has been lost? Well, it is this Sabbath day. Actually, the commandments, last two weeks ago we talked about the Ten Commandments. And the Fourth Commandment tells us to remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. But this Sabbath day has sort of been lost because many Christians, many non-Christians have no idea what this Sabbath is all about. And many Christians are quite confused as to which day is the Sabbath. Some Christians say this day is the Sabbath. Some other Christians say that day is the Sabbath. Some other Christians say any day that you choose is the Sabbath. So how can we have some clarity based on what the Bible says, not on what I think or what you think or what somebody else thinks. What does the Word of God say according to this issue of the Sabbath? That's what we want to do today as we look into the lost day of history. Where did the Sabbath come from? If you read in the book of Genesis, the creation of the heavens and the earth, in chapter 2, there is like a summary Chapter 1, you have day 1, day 2, day 3, what happened each of the days. And then at the beginning of chapter 2, you have like a little summary. It says, thus the heavens and the earth were completed in all their vast array. By the seventh day, God had finished the work he had been doing. So on the seventh day, he rested from all his work. Then God blessed the seventh day and made it holy because on it he rested from all the work of creating that he had done. Let me ask you a question. Why do we have days? Days of 24 hours. Why do we have a day? What is the physical explanation for the existence of days? Days exist because the earth rotates. And it takes approximately 24 hours for the day to do a full spin. Why do we have months? What's the physical explanation for months? The moon takes about 28, 29 days to go around the earth. So that is the physical reason for a month. Pretty good. Why do we have years? <laughs> that's, <laughs> that's the time it takes the earth to go around the sun one time. 
365, 64, 60, uh, 65, sometimes it takes a little bit longer, but approximately 365 days, that's how long it takes for the Earth to go around the sun one time. Why do we have weeks? What is the physical, literal reason for all cultures around the world to have weeks? Why do we split this unit of time that is one, two, three, seven, eight, nine, not nine, <laughs> seven days? Why in all the cultures around the world, people split time into seven days? What is the natural, logical, physical explanation for that? If you don't believe in the Bible, and if you don't believe in the story of creation as told in the Bible, that is a question that is impossible to answer. Because the only reason that you can point that cultures all around the planet divide days into chunks of seven, divide weeks into chunks of seven days, is creation. If you take away creation, if you take away the Bible, if you take away that story, there is no logical explanation why all cultures around this planet, they all do the very same thing. There is no physical explanation for it. Why do we decide to divide days into chunks, divide weeks into chunks of seven days? Genesis chapter 2, verses 1 to 3. Now, another question. What does God say about the Sabbath in the Ten Commandments. We talked about it a couple of weeks ago. Let's refresh. In Exodus chapter 28, verses 8 to 11. This is the longest of the commandments. It says, remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. When do you tell somebody to remember something? <laughs> like when you tell your husband, please remember to put the dishes in the sink. Why do you do that? Please remember to pick up the laundry from the floor in the bathroom. Put it on the basket, please. Why do you do that? Don't ask Daily why she does that. <laughs> remember the Sabbath day by keeping it holy. Six days you shall labor and do all your work. But the seventh day is a Sabbath to the Lord your God. On it you shall not do any work, neither you, nor your son or daughter, nor your male or female servants, nor your animals, nor any foreigner residing in your towns. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea, and all that is in them, but on, he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy." So this commandment, the fourth commandment, tells us to keep this day holy, to keep it special, to keep it separate. But it also identifies which day of the week, according to God, is the Sabbath day. Did you catch it? Which day of the week is it? The seventh day of the week. Um, now, if you don't know, or if you have some questions, um, in Hebrew, the word used for Sabbath is... Sabbath. Uh, and I need some volunteers, and I need them fast. I need people who speak different languages. Come on, just come. But if, uh, let's say, um, somebody who speaks Tagalog, somebody who speaks any number of African languages, like they were calling lots of friends uh, names, and I hadn't heard any of those names in my life in the children's story. Um, come on, quick, quick, quick. I need people who speak languages. I want to know how... Just wait a second. How do you say Saturday in your language? Okay, we'll make a little line. Please come, keep coming, keep coming. We want to know how do you say Saturday in your language? If you don't see your language represented, you have five seconds to come. Please come. Five, four, three, two, 0 0.5, 0 0.25. 0, 0, 0, 0, 0, 1. All right, let's, let's do this experiment. We want to hear how does the word Saturday translate in your language. All right, let's try. Saturday, how do you say Saturday in your language? In Russian, it's sub Subota. Subota, yes. okay. Women in there, Ghana. Okay. Sabato. Okay. Sabuta. Okay. Sabata. 
Alright. Sabiti. Okay. Sabet. Okay. In Ukrainian Russian Subota. Okay. Sabado. Alright. Sabado. Okay. In Romanian Sumbata. Okay. Sabata. Alright. Sabat. Uh-huh. Umkabelo. <laughs> Can you say that again? <laughs> Umkabelo. Thank you. Sabat. Okay. Sumbata. Sabatu. Oh. In Hindi it's Shaniwar. Okay. Sabat. Sambat. Uh-huh. Sambat. Isabatu. All right. Did you hear something in common? One more. Yes, brother. My language is Yoruba. It says Abameta. Okay. Thank you so much. Thank you so much for your help. Now, did you hear something in common? All these languages, the word that they are translating is Saturday. Um, and that word sounds something like Sabbath. And why is that? Again, if you don't believe in the Bible and if you don't believe in the creation story, this would make absolutely no sense. The word Saturday comes from Saturn, from the Greeks. The Greeks used to worship the god of the planet Saturn on that day. But for the Hebrews, the name is Shabbat, Yom Shabbat, the day of Rest, Because Shabbat means to rest. It means to cease. That's what, according to the Bible, happened on the seventh day of that first week. So, interesting, right? Is it clear which day of the week is the Sabbath? Do you have any doubts? Men, if you have doubts, I recommend you go and see some head specialist, something, I don't know, some sort of shrink or something. Yeah, basically, in most languages of the world, the word that translates Saturday sounds something like Shabbat. Because it is the day of rest, according to the scriptures. All right, let's keep going. But haven't the Ten Commandments been changed? We talked about it again a little bit two weeks ago. So let's refresh the words that we heard from Jesus two weeks ago. Matthew chapter 5, verses 19 to Sorry, 17 to 18. Do not think that I have come to abolish the law or the prophets. I have not come to abolish them, but to fulfill them. For truly I tell you, until heaven and earth disappeared, not the smallest letter, not the least stroke of a pen, will by any means disappear from the law until everything is accomplished." Does it sound from this verse like Jesus had a plan or he had the idea to change the commandments of God? Definitely not. Definitely not. But maybe Jesus didn't have that idea, but the apostles had the idea. Maybe it was the apostles. Did the apostles keep the Sabbath on the seventh day? Let's have a look at the example of the apostle Paul. He is preaching in the Gentile world. And he gets to a city, we are here in Acts chapter 17, verses 2 and 3. As was his custom, Paul went into the synagogue, and on three Sabbath days, he reasoned with them from the scriptures, explaining and proving that the Messiah had to suffer and rise from the dead. This Jesus I am proclaiming to you is the Messiah, he said. Do you remember somebody else who had the custom to go to the synagogue on the Sabbath? Jesus. And now here is one of the apostles, specifically the apostle Paul, and he also has the same custom to go to the synagogue, to go to the place of prayer on the Sabbath. But you could say, well, that's just because he was a Jewish person preaching to Jewish people, so that's why he is going to that place on the Sabbath. Okay, fair enough. Did the Gentiles also worship on the seventh-day Sabbath? Was it only the Jewish people, or was it also the Gentiles? Let us read what the Bible says. In the book of Acts, chapter 13, verses 42 to 44, we find this passage. As Paul and Barnabas were leaving the synagogue, the people invited them to speak further about these things on the next Sabbath. When are they inviting them to speak? 
So they just finished speaking on this Sabbath, and they invite them to speak again on the... Why not any of the days of the week? Anyway, let's keep reading. When the congregation was dismissed, many of the Jews and devout converts to Judaism followed Paul and Barnabas, who talked with them and urged them to continue in the grace of God. On the next Sabbath, almost the whole city gathered to hear the word of the Lord. Do you think that the whole city was Jewish? Obviously not. Now, which day did the whole city gather? On a Sabbath. Why didn't they gather on any other day? Because there was no other meeting on any other day. The day that the Christians gathered to worship and the day that the Christians gathered to do their, their um, communal worship was on the Sabbath. Now, we do read in the book of Acts in chapter 2 and in chapter 4 that the Christians broke bread daily. And they had fellowship also daily. But when it comes to the communal worship, it was done, as it has always been done, on the Sabbath day. And that is, as we saw, the seventh day of the week. In Acts chapter 14 and verse 4, we can read, Every Sabbath he reasoned in the synagogue, trying to persuade both Jews and Greeks. It's not only the Jews who are worshiping God on the Sabbath. It is also the Greek converts who are worshiping. Now, wasn't the Sabbath changed to Sunday? That's a very good question. And I will answer this question by citing, by quoting the eight passages in the New Testament that mention the word Sunday. Well, let me rephrase. The word Sunday doesn't appear in the Bible. Because in Hebrew and in Greek, the names of the week don't have a name. They are the first to the Sabbath, the second to the Sabbath, the third to the Sabbath, the fourth to the Sabbath, etc. They don't have names. They have numbers. The only day that has a name is the Sabbath, the rest, the Shabbat. So the word Sunday doesn't appear, but the phrase first day of the week appears. And the phrase first day of the week, it is used eight times. Times, don't count this. It is used eight times in the New Testament. And we're going to read all those verses, those eight verses. The first one is Matthew 28, verse 1. After the Sabbath, at dawn on the first day of the week, Mary Magdalene and the other Mary went to look at the tomb. What's happening? Jesus died. He died on which day? A Friday that we usually call Good Friday. And then came the Sabbath, and after the Sabbath came the first day of the week. Is there any commandment here to worship on the first day of the week? Anything telling you that the Sabbath is no longer holy and now the Sunday is holy? Nothing there, right? Next, this is the first text. Second text, Mark chapter 16, verses 1 and 2. When the Sabbath was over, Mary Magdalene, mother the Mary, the mother of James, and Salome bought spices so they might go to anoint Jesus' body. Very early in the first day of the week, just after sunrise, they were on their way to the tomb. Now, let me try to understand something because this is weird. Jesus died which day? Friday. And this is already Sunday morning, and they have not anointed his body. Like they left the body of Jesus unprepared for burial. This is very disrespectful. They left his body unprepared for burial all Friday evening, all Saturday, and only after the Sabbath is finished, they go hurriedly, buy some stuff, and when they go to the tomb to anoint the body, we are not reading the story, but you know that the body was not there anymore. The angel comes and he says, why are you looking for the living among the dead? So please notice, the disciples and the women who follow Jesus, they allowed the body of Christ to lay on the tomb unanointed, without any preparation, just so that they could keep the Sabbath. Do you think the Sabbath was important for them? Do you think that they thought Jesus opinion was that the Sabbath was important. Definitely. Otherwise, they wouldn't have done that. 
So that was the second text. This is the third text. Mark chapter 16 and verse 9. When Jesus rose early on the first day of the week, he appeared first to Mary Magdalene, out of whom he had driven seven demons. All right. Any indication that now Sunday is a day of worship? Not yet. Um, let's see. The next text, the fourth text, is in Luke chapter 23, the last verse, and the first verse of chapter 24. Then they went home and prepared spices and perfumes. But they rested on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. On the first day of the week, very early in the morning, the women took the spices they had prepared and went to the tomb. So same story. On Friday, they are trying to get things ready, but they don't have enough time. The Sabbath is coming because remember that according to the scripture, the days begin in the evening. You remember the creation story, and it was evening, and it was morning, one day. Evening and morning, another day. So Friday evening is actually the beginning of Sabbath. So that's why they didn't anoint the body of Jesus. Then they go and they rest on the Sabbath in obedience to the commandment. And then on the first day of the week, they go to the tomb, but the Lord is risen already. Now the fifth text that mentions the Sabbath. That mentions the first day of the week. John chapter 19, verse 42, and chapter 20, verse 1. Because it was the Jewish day of reparation, and since the tomb was, nearly, was nearby, they laid Jesus there. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene went to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the entrance. Again, any indication? Now Sunday is holy, Sabbath is no longer there. Nothing there. Another text, John chapter 20, verse 19. On the evening of that first day of the week, when the disciples were together with the doors locked for fear of the Jewish leaders, Jesus came and stood among them and said, Peace be with you. So this text is now a little bit more, hmm, you could say that, yeah, it looks like they are worshiping. You could say that, but not if you look at the te text carefully. Because the text itself gives you the reason why they are gathered together. Why are they gathered together? Because they are worshiping. They are praying. They are expecting in celebration. No, they are afraid. Because their master has been killed and they are thinking they are coming for us next. So lock the doors. They didn't even believe the women when they told him, well, they told them the Lord is risen. They had not believed that the Lord was alive. They are not gathered because they are celebrating the resurrection of the Lord. They don't believe. And he comes and he rebukes them. Why you don't believe? So they are just afraid. They are not worshiping. Okay, another text, Acts chapter 20 and verse 7. On the first day of the week, we, we came together to break bread. Paul spoke to the people, and because he intended to leave the next day, he kept on talking until midnight. Now, there are many, many opinions on this text. Some people say, well, this is actually just Saturday evening, which it was. And uh, it doesn't mean that they are having communion. Maybe, because the book of Acts says in chapter 2 again that they would break bread daily. This is not something that they did um, only on a special day. But let's suppose, let us suppose this is Sunday, not Saturday evening. This is just plainly Sunday. Okay, good. And let's suppose that this breaking of bread talks about communion. Good, no problem. Even if we grant that the Bible is talking about a communion happening on a Sunday, is the text telling you, stop worshiping on Sabbath, now worship on Sunday? Is the text saying that? No. The text is saying that Paul is traveling the next day, and that's why they are meeting, and he keeps on talking and talking and talking and talking, and sadly, the guy Eutychus falls asleep and he falls down and, you know, the whole reason why the story is told is because Eutychus fell. So if you see me preaching for too long, don't fall, okay? <laughs> just hold on to your chair and just lay on, on the shoulder of somebody else, but don't fall. 
The only reason the story is in the Bible is because the guy died. And Paul raised him to life. Another text. Um, On the first day of the week, each one of you should set aside a sum of money in keeping with your income, saving it up, so that when I come, no collections will have to be made. Again, do you have anything telling you you need to worship on the first day of the week and this is the day to assemble? It's actually telling something similar to the contrary because it is saying this collection, you are going to do it by yourself. Each of you by yourself, you're going to put something aside so that when I actually come, then we don't need to make any collections. Remember that in the Jewish system, many times there was a first fruits offerings. The very first things that come from the harvest, those things you would give it to the Lord. So many people would live from week to week. Many people still live from week to week. They don't have a lot of savings or anything. So when they would go to work on the very first day of the week, from that salary that they got on that very first day of the week, they would keep something as the first fruits, the first thing that they got. I'm going to keep this aside to help God's people. But it's not talking about worship. It's not talking about um, a new day or, or something on the like. Now, these are the eight references to the first day of the week in the New Testament. That's it. No more. If you were expecting for something else, there is nothing else. These are the only eight verses in the New Testament that mention the first day of the week. And knowing that, Jesus said this, Matthew 24 and verse 20, pray that your flight will not take place in winter or on the Sabbath. He was prophesying about the fall of Jerusalem. That happened in the year 70. Jesus died on the year 33. And seeing ahead into the future, he told his disciples, pray that when that happens, three decades later, four decades later, it will not be on a Sabbath day. Why? Because if it happens on a Sabbath day, it's very tough. You cannot carry stuff on the Sabbath day. You're supposed to be worshiping. You're supposed to be doing this. You're supposed to be doing that. He says, don't do that. Uh, Pray that that doesn't happen on that day. Another question. Some people say the Sabbath will be kept in God's new earth. Is this correct? Well, yes, it is. The book of Isaiah, chapter 66 says, As the new heavens and the new earth that I make will endure before me, declares the Lord, so will your name and your descendants endure. From one new moon to another, from one Sabbath to another, all mankind will come and bow down before me, says the Lord. But then, isn't Sunday the Lord's Day? Well, the phrase the Lord's Day appears in the Bible one time. It is this time in the book of Revelation, chapter 1 and verse 10. On the Lord's day, I was in the Spirit, and I heard behind me a loud voice like a trumpet. And so people read that today, and they say, so you see, this is the Lord's day. And the Lord's day is Sunday. So he was praying and worshiping the Lord on the Sunday. Well, that's like saying that, you know, when... When the first uh, peregrines went to the United States and they went to the house of McDonald's and they had dinner, it's like you're saying, so you see, they went to the restaurant, they had some burgers. No, 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 it was some guy named McDonald's. The, the, the restaurant McDonald's didn't exist yet. So during history, people began to associate the phrase the Lord's Day with Sunday. But in the Bible, you don't see that. I want to show you only two verses in the Bible that use the phrase, the Lord's Day, and uh, you will tell me which day it is. Book of Isaiah, chapter 58, verses 13 and 14. If you keep your feet from breaking the Sabbath and from doing as you please on my holy day, if you call the Sabbath a delight and the Lord's holy day honorable, And if you honor it by not going your own way and not doing as you please or speaking idle words, then you will find your joy in the Lord. And I will cause you to ride in triumph on the heights of the land and to feast on the inheritance of your father Jacob. 
for the mouth of the Lord has spoken. According to Isaiah, which day is the day of the Lord? The Sabbath. He talks about, this is my holy day, the Sabbath, a delight, the Lord's holy day, honorable. So it's very clear, book of Isaiah. There is another text I want to show you, Matthew chapter 12 and verse 8. Jesus says, for the Son of Man is Lord of the Sabbath. This is Jesus, New Testament. So if you are thinking that the Lord's day is anything other than the Sabbath, you are not thinking on the ways of the Bible. You are thinking in some other ways. But according to the Bible, the day of the Lord, the day that belongs to the Lord, the day that the Lord blessed is the Sabbath, the seventh day of the week. Another question, shouldn't we keep Sunday holy in honor of Christ's resurrection? Well, there is a ceremony that Christians do keep in honor of the resurrection of Christ. But that one is not whether Saturday or Sunday or Monday or any other day. The celebration of the Lord's resurrection, according to the Bible, is baptism. That is the true biblical celebration of the Lord's resurrection. Book of Romans, chapter 6, verses 3 and 4. Don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead, through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. According to the Bible, the celebration of the resurrection of the Lord is baptism. It's not Sabbath, it's not Sunday, it's not Monday, it's baptism. All right, so if Sunday keeping isn't in the Bible, then whose idea is it? I cannot take a lot of time in this, but at least I need to point you in the right direction. It was prophesied that a falling away would happen inside of God's people. In the book of Daniel, chapter 7, we read this prophecy. The ten horns are ten kings who will come from this kingdom. After them, another king will arise, different from the earlier ones. He will subdue three kings. He's talking about... Kingdoms, not kings. He will speak against the Most High and oppress his holy people and try to change the set times and the laws. The holy people will be delivered into his hands for a time, times, and half a time. I don't expect you to understand all the details on this, and I, we don't have the time to try to unpack all the details of this, but I do want you to notice something. The Bible was prophesying a time when some power would come, and that power would try to change times and laws. If you think about it, the only commandment that has to do with time is the fourth commandment. Remember the Sabbath to keep it holy. So it was already prophesied long, long ago in the Scripture. Also, we can read Paul's opinion on the issue. Second Thessalonians chapter 2, verses 3 and 4. Speaking about the coming of Christ, Paul says, Don't let anyone deceive you in any way. For that day, the, the day of the end, that day will not come until the rebellion occurs and the man of lawlessness is revealed. The man doomed to destruction. He will oppose, oppose and will exalt himself over everything that is called God or is worshipped, so that he sets himself up in God's temple proclaiming himself to be God. So the change into the times and the laws, this, this change, this corruption, according to the apostle, would come from inside of God's people. He is inside God's temple, and God's temple is the church. We are God's temple. So it was prophesied that there... Corruption would come from within the Christian community. Now, we need to keep moving. But isn't it dangerous to tamper with God's law? Well, yes, it is very dangerous. Look at what the book of Revelation says, talking about that book. But if this is dangerous, then imagine changing the commandments. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy on this scroll. If anyone adds anything to them, God will add to that person the plagues described in this scroll. If anyone takes 
words away from this scroll of prophecy. God will take away from that person any share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this scroll. So if you mess with the scroll, this is what's going to happen. Now imagine if you mess with the words that God wrote with his very own finger. I don't think the consequence will be any lesser. Why did God make the Sabbath anyway? The Bible gives us two reasons why God made the Sabbath. The first reason is in the fourth commandment itself. For in six days the Lord made the heavens and the earth, the sea and all that is in them, but he rested on the seventh day. Therefore the Lord blessed the Sabbath day and made it holy. The Sabbath reminds us that we are not monkeys. I know that some of us look like monkeys. It's okay. Some of us look like monkeys. Some of us behave like monkeys. Some of us are more dangerous than monkeys. But the Bible says we are not monkeys. We didn't come by chance or by random. The Bible says we are children of God. And the Sabbath serves to remind us of that fact. There is another reason, Ezekiel 20 and verse 12, also I gave them my Sabbath as a sign between us so that they would know that I, the Lord, made them holy. On the Sabbath, we stop. And we stop in every sense. It's not just to stop from work. It's to stop from trying. Stop from trying what? Stop from trying to please God. We need to understand that the only reason why we are saved is because of God's grace. And so even the Sabbath itself is a reminder that we need to stop from work. We need to stop from trying. We need to stop from buying our way into heaven because that will never happen. We will never be righteous enough to knock on God's door and tell him, Hey, you need to let me in. Why? Because I'm so holy. I earned it. I need to be here. Forget it. When we stop on the Sabbath, we are actually celebrating that the Lord, the creator of life, that the one that is written about in John chapter 1, verse 1, in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word became flesh, and he dwelt among us. Right after he paid the price for us, what did he do? That Saturday, where was the Lord Jesus? Resting. On the Sunday, when he went and he said, Mary came to worship him, he told her, don't touch me. I need to go to my father. I need to see if things are right or not. When Jesus is on the sepulcher on the Sabbath day, he doesn't know yet if things are accomplished or not. He doesn't know yet if the sacrifice has been accepted or not, but he's resting anyway. So you too need to rest. And I too need to rest. Even though we have doubts and even though we have problems, we need to rest on the grace and the power of God. How important is keeping the Sabbath holy? The book of James tells us in chapter 2, verse 10 and 11, whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking all of it. For he who said you shall not commit adultery, he also said you shall not murder. Now if you do not commit adultery, but you do commit murder, you have become a lawbreaker. Because when you break the law, that is sin. And the wages of sin is death. So if we break even one of the commandments, we are rebelling against the Lord. Again, don't get confused. Oh, so I need to keep the Sabbath to be saved. No. Because you will never be able to keep God's law perfectly. But even if we know that we will never keep it perfectly, when we try to keep it, we honor God. Jesus said, if you love me, even though he knows that we will not be able to, you know, all of our children, if you are a father, you are a mother, you know that your children will misbehave. You know that. But what do you expect from them? Do you expect that they will willfully disobey you? No. 
But you know that from time to time, they will forget, they are children, they get distracted, they do this, they do that. But you expect from them to at least try, at least put their heart into it. How does God feel about religious leaders ignoring the Sabbath? Oh, man, I don't like this text, but I have to read it. Please don't misunderstand me. I'm not saying that other Christians, especially other pastors and other leaders who don't believe in the Sabbath, I'm not saying that they are lost. I'm not saying they don't have the spirit. I'm not saying, but this is Jesus speaking. And we better listen carefully to what he says. Because during his time, he also had arguments with religious leaders. And this is what he said to the religious leaders of his time. Matthew chapter 15, the second part of verse 6 until verse 9. He said to them, you nullify the word of God for the sake of your tradition. You hypocrites. Isaiah was right when he prophesied about you. These people honor me with their lips, but their hearts are far from me. They worship me in vain. Their teacher, their teachings are merely human rules. Leave them. They are blind guides. If the blind leads the blind, both will fall into a pit. So I want to invite you to think, consider, to consider carefully, to think carefully what sort of leaders you follow. You follow leaders that teach you according to the word of God, or you follow leaders that teach you according to what will bring them more offering. You need to decide. Does the Sabbath keeping really affect people personally? I want to read this one last text for you. It's in the Gospel of Luke, chapter 46 to 48. This is one of the texts that cuts my heart deeply every time I read it. Jesus says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, and do not do what I say? I want you to stop and think. Because Jesus gives this message to each one of us. He says, hey, slow down. Slow down, slow down, slow down. You are confused with so many things. You have so, so much stuff going in your head. Slow down. Think about it. Why do you call me Lord, but don't do what I say? Yes, it's very important for us to call ourselves Christians and to call Jesus our Lord. But if we want to go with Christ, we better go with him the whole way. You know, there is no such thing as half saved and half lost. You know what is a half truth? What is a half truth? It's a complete lie. A half-truth is a complete lie, and many of us are half-Christians. You know, you will not get into heaven half-saved. You know, like part of, it, part of you was saved and part of you was not. No, no, no. We will either go completely into hell or we will completely into heaven. And Jesus says when talking about this, if your hand causes you to sin, what are we to do? Cut it off. If your foot is causing you to sin... Cut it off if there is anything that is keeping us from full obedience to God. If there is anything that is keeping us from full communion with the Lord, we better eliminate it from our lives. The Lord says, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but you don't do what I say? The Lord also said, what would it profit a man if he gains the whole of Dubai, but he forfeits his soul. People, I want to speak to you from the bottom of my heart. My heart aches for many of you. Because I know that you came to this land for one reason. You came to make money. Nothing wrong with that. We all need money. But I want to tell you, what will it profit you if you gain all the money that you want... But at the end of the day, you lose your soul. I don't want to condemn you. I don't want to shame you. But I want to speak to you as your brother in Christ. And I want to call you to reflection. 
And I want to call you to commitment. Jesus tells you today, why do you call me Lord, Lord, but yet you don't do what I say? Look what he continues to say. He says, as for everyone who comes to me and he hears my words and he puts them into practice, I will show you what they are like. They are like a man building a house. He dugs down deep and he lays a foundation on the rock. And then when the flood comes, the torrent strikes that house, but it cannot shake it because that house is well built. But you also know how this story ends, right? Because there is also a foolish builder. And he doesn't do like the Lord says. And then when the temptation comes and the problem comes, what happens to that house? The destruction is great indeed. So today I want to invite you in God's name. Would you like to honor God by keeping his seventh day Sabbath holy? I know this is not easy. But salvation and following Jesus, it is not easy. The Lord says, he who wants to seek his life, he will lose it. But he who loses his life for me and for the gospel, he will save it. We need to make a choice. What is more important, our pocket or our Lord? Who do we trust more, our pocket or our God? Because many times we think, man, but if I don't go to work, then who will provide for my children? I want to ask you, who has been providing for your children all along? Who is the one who is keeping you alive? Who is the one who gives you health and spirit and life so that you can work? If the Lord takes away the life that you have at this moment, what happens? It's finished. I had a, a tough decision to make. In Venezuela, when you finish your high school, a bit before you finish high school, there is a big exam, exam that you have to take. And that exam determines to which university you can go. And like I told you, I had a dream of, when I was growing up, I had the dream to become a doctor. And uh, I told you part of the story. I abandoned that dream because of the fear of blood. Yes, it's true. That's part of the truth. But there is another part of the story. Because I still had the dream, and I still had the hope, but when that exam came, you had to take it on the Sabbath. And we tried on the Saturday, on the seventh day of the week, and we tried to negotiate, and can we go on another day, and can we do this, and can we do that? Nope, you have to go on the Sabbath. I was 16 years old, and I needed to decide... Is this stuff of following God just the blah, blah of my parents? Or is this my stuff? Am I going to decide to go with what the Lord has told me in my heart that I need to do? Or will I just take my own route and make my own way? I decided that I would trust in the Lord. I never took that test. I don't know if I would excel or if I would do very poorly. I never took the test. And after I never took the test, in those following weeks, the Lord put a big, big desire in my heart to go and study for the ministry and prepare to become the kind of person that I am today, a minister of the gospel. I never thought about that first. I had never a desire to be a preacher. I never had a desire to be a pastor. Pastors? Man, growing up, I don't know about you. Some people have very good opinion of pastors. I did not. I did not. My, my dad was the head elder for most of his life in the church. And I was very close to the sons and daughters of many, many pastors who passed through our congregation. I tell you, I did not want to be like those It was not a dream of mine to become this. But through a series of events and through the choices that I made, then the Lord opened the way for what he wanted for my life. I do not regret 
not taking that test. I do not regret saying, okay, this is my decision. This is my faith. And all my, bro- all my um, classmates, most of whom were Adventists, <laughs> they are taking the test and they are going to that university and that university and that university. That's not the path the Lord has opened for me. I want to tell you something. If the Lord is not opening a door for you, that is not your door. Don't force it. Don't force it. Many times we grow desperate and it's not happening. And I'm trying and I'm trying and I'm looking and I'm searching. If the door is not opening for you, while you are walking in sincerity, while you are walking in faithfulness, while you are walking in obedience, and that door does not open for you, it is not your door. Simple. The Lord will open another for you. Much better, much nicer than anything that you could think or imagine. Trust in the Lord. Trust in God. I want to invite you today to trust in God. If you want to make a prayer with me, to ask the Lord for strength and for wisdom to make wise choices, I want to invite you to bow your heads. Let us pray together. Father in heaven, today we have been talking about a very difficult topic. Most non-Christians have no idea about the Sabbath, and most Christians are very confused about the Sabbath. But your word is quite simple, quite clear, and quite easy to understand. The Sabbath is to be a day of worship and to be a day of rest, and that is the Saturday, the seventh day of the week. Father, today as we learn this truth, we pray that you will give us the courage to trust in you. You said, Lord, that when we seek your kingdom first, you will also provide all the things that we need. Father, there are many people here in this congregation in this morning who are afraid because their employers tell them, if you don't come to work on this day, then you will lose your employment. There are people who are looking for a job, and the only offers that they have are offers that force them to work on this, your Sabbath. Father, I pray that you will help us to choose you, that you will help us to believe that you are big enough, that you will help us to believe and to trust that your word is true, that your promises are true, and when we walk in obedience, we can have peace in our hearts to know that you are in control and you take care of your children. Bless us, Lord, as we struggle and as we grow in faith and in obedience. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen.